Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 7 of On Freedom of Choice, Anselm is going to examine and analyze and then unravel a difficulty that arises when we're thinking about the power that the will has to determine itself coupled with the fact that it seemingly can also be mastered by temptation. So his student raises this problem or puzzle about the will when it's overcome by temptation. The student says, just as I'm not able to deny what you prove, so I'm not at all able to affirm that the will is stronger than temptation when it's overcome by temptation. As a matter of fact, we could say, we're only looking at the cases where the will is actually overcome by temptation. Obviously, when it's not, it must be stronger. So what are the problems? Well, willing to keep uprightness of will for its own sake seems to be stronger than temptation. He says, if the will to keep uprightness were stronger than the force, then in willing what was in its possession, the will would resist more strongly than temptation would insist. For on no other basis do I know that I have a will that is more or less strong than that I will more or less strongly. So what's happening when I'm being tempted, he says, is we, when we willingly give in to temptation is that our will isn't as strong. And so temptation must be stronger and maybe we get off the hook for giving in to temptation then. And Anselm says, no, that's not really how it works. And one of the problems here is that you're using the term will, voluntas, in an equivocal way. Equivocal means that there's more than one meaning to the term. Traditionally, it means that those meanings are unrelated, but in this case, they actually are related. So if we were using other vocabulary, we might have Anselm saying these are analogically related to each other or they're related to each other by derivation. Be that as it may, Anselm uses the term equivocation and he tells us that will has two different senses or meanings. What does that mean? When we're using the word will, whether we realize it or not, we're talking about two different things. Now, in this treatise, he talks about two. In other later treatises, he will talk about three. We're not going to worry about the third kind right here. It's enough to get this distinction down. So he says there's will as instrument for willing, and then there's will as use of that very same instrument. So let's take a look at what he actually says. He's likening it to sight, and he says that we call sight the instrument for seeing, right? And we also speak of sight as the activity of that very instrument when we use the instrument. We might say the same thing about any of the other senses. Anselm at other points will talk about reason also being an instrument that we, we use. It's an instrument of the soul by which we carry out reasoning. And then there's also the uses of reasoning, right? So these are distinct from each other, but deeply connected with each other. So he says, in the same way, will is said to be the instrument for willing, which is in the soul and which we direct towards willing this or that thing, even as we direct sight towards seeing various objects. 
He says, will is also spoken of as the use of the will, which is the instrument for willing, just as sight is spoken of as the use of sight, which is the instrument for seeing. And he goes on and tells us that even when we're not seeing, we have sight that is the instrument, but only while we are actually seeing, do we have the activity. So likewise, we always have the will as instrument for willing. That's part of our basic equipment, you might say. Whether we're using it or not depends on how we're using that instrument and whether we are using that instrument. Now, what's the upshot of this? Well, the will as instrument is always the same thing. It's always one and it's always possessing the same amount of strength or capacity to will. And so in this case, he says the, the will that I call instrument for willing has an inalienable strength, which cannot be overcome by any other force. But when we're talking about will as use, now this is multiple. And interestingly, it's not just multiple by being directed to certain objects. It's also multiple by being directed in certain occasions. So my willing to put on this tie is a particular use of my will. My willing to keep this tie on or to loosen it or tighten it. Those are all uses of that instrument. And maybe, you know, I'm wavering in my mind. I don't know, should I loosen it again so that people can see me doing this and it'll drive the example home and you notice I'm not doing it, right? The will to loosen the tie again is not as strong as the will to merely talk about loosening the tie in this case. Two different wills, right? And I choose the one over the other. So that's multiple and it can be stronger or weaker. So when we're giving in to temptation, he tells us, when the instrument is presented with that which it wills less strongly, the will does not at all desert what it wills more strongly. And when it is offered what it wills more strongly, it immediately abandons what it wills less strongly, right? And so we can say the will, which we can call the act of the instrument or the use of the instrument is more or less strong because it is done more or less strongly. Could be all the way down to almost infinitesimally weak, right? Or it could be using our entire range of capacities, or it could be somewhere in between so that we're willing to push through up to this point and then we quit. What does this have to do with being overcome by temptation? Well, when we're overcome by temptation, we will using the instrument less strongly than we should in the face of temptation. And we will more strongly for what it is that the temptation is coercing or cajoling or whatever excuse we make us into doing. And he's got a really wonderful analogy here that I think helps to make sense of it. It's a physical one, right? He talks about the case of a man so strong that while he was holding a wild bull, the bull was unable to get away. So we're talking about a very, very strong man grabbing the bull literally by the horns and the bull can't get away. We know he's super strong. We've measured it now, right? That's the will as instrument. Then we see that same guy and he's got a ram, a much weaker creature compared to a bull, still pretty strong for the rest of us. Then the ram is able to get away from him. We say, what's going on? Did he suddenly become weak? Is he no longer as strong as he was? No, he didn't use his strength as fully on the ram as he could have. If he wanted to, he could have controlled the ram just as easily as he controls the bull, perhaps even more easily since the ram is not as strong of a creature. Something similar is happening when we're posed with temptation. 
We have the strength with any given temptation to grapple the horns and hold fast. It's, it may hurt. It may not feel good. It may, you know, be boring. It may, there could be all sorts of other difficulties that arise, but we do have the capacity to deal with it. And yet in many cases, grabbing the, the ram or even, let's make it even smaller, a little guinea pig, right? No horns at all. We just have to keep it from moving across the room or a kitten or a puppy or a turtle and, and suddenly it, it escapes our grasp. Well, that's because we did not use our strength in the way that we could have. So when we're facing temptations and we give into it, it's not because there's a failure in the will as instrument. The will as instrument remains the same. It's a failure in the will as use of that instrument. And it also involves another use of that instrument, giving in to whatever the temptation happens to be. So that helps us to explain this puzzle. We are at the same time strong but we don't use all of the strength that we could use in determinate choices and situations. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, Keep studying these great philosophical works.